Welcome to Metal Injection Squared Circle Pits. Today's special guest, Dan St. Germain. And now, here's your host, Rob Paspani. Thank you, me. It's me again. Welcome to another edition of Squared Circle Pit. We're doing things a little differently today. My name is Rob. Rob Injection on social media. You can also follow Squared Circle Pit on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Give us a follow. We post some cool stuff. And uh, thank you for listening to Squared Circle Pit. It's the intersection of heavy metal and pro wrestling. And today we're looking at the intersection of uh, pro wrestling and, and comedy and roast comedy. Uh, I have comedian Dan St. Germain as my special guest on the show. And Dan uh, has been doing a podcast, which recently relaunched. It's him and another great roast comedian, Mike Lawrence, a world champion roast comedian, in fact. And the guy who runs the WWE Creative-ish Twitter account, they have a podcast called Wrestle Roasts. So he's going to talk about that. He's going to talk about the art of roasting. And we're going to talk about some stuff going on in the world of pro wrestling these last few days. This was recorded earlier in the week. So uh, some of the references might be a little dated. But then uh, take a listen. The conversation is still very fun. Take a listen to that. And then after the conversation, I'll be talking to you about what's going on in the world of pro wrestling. I'll give you some takes, some predictions, and uh, guesses about AEW Revolution this Sunday. So uh, let's go hang out with Dan St. Germain. Now entering the squared circle pit, we have a wrestling connoisseur, a comedian, a writer. Dan St. Germain, welcome. Thank you for hanging out. Dan, you have a wonderful podcast called Wrestle Roasts, wherever podcasts are available. And you are a master roaster. Would that be fair to say? Well, I would say my co-host, Mike Warren, he's is a, a champion roaster. roaster. He won the he won the Comedy Central uh, roast battle. I'm I am but a novice. I've only written on one roast and he's written on a ton, but I did do the roast of Bruce, Bruce Pritchard. And that was a blast. And I, I did the roast of Tony Schiavone. So I did. I did catch um, this the, is, uh, roast of Bruce Pritchard. And I have to say you yeah. absolutely had the most brutal <laughs> lines on that on that roast without question. <laughs> I, was, I was blown away. We'll, we'll definitely talk about it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, I'm, it's actually, you know, like, I mean, I love professional wrestling and I, and I love pro wrestlers. So I really do, you know, they say like, you know, you roast the ones you love, but in this case, you know, it's, it's true. I really do, you know, really love wrestling. Um, but, uh, I figured that this was a way to kind of, the rose is a way to get people in the door, but the podcast is a lot more than that. The podcast, every week we discuss whether AEW or, or, uh, WWE had the best week. We, also, uh, talk about stuff as ridiculous as, you know, whose voice is least intimidating, Bobby Lashley or Seth Rollins. You know, it, it's just kind of like a free for all as far as, uh, you know, like, well, we don't take it too seriously. I do like that, that you're not only, you know, you start off the show or, or you do have a, a focus roast on the show now, like this week or this most recent episode was Bret Hart. Uh, but yes. then you're also basically roasting the week in wrestling, not uh, informally. Right, right. Like, like, like last week, we talked about Shaq a lot because that's coming up this Wednesday. And yeah, I mean, we talk about, you know, everybody gets it, man. I mean, like, you know, like as far as the you know podcast, you're going to most podcasts, you're going to like hear like a really, you know, that are really pro AEW, really pro WWE. We love both companies. 
Um, but we'll, we shit on right, both it comes companies from a place too, of love, so. basically. Like you guys are such right. Yes, I yeah. think so. Yeah, I think so. I'm sure though. Like, I, like this pass roast. I'm almost positive Brett is going to listen <laughs> to this because he, he has to have a listens. Google alert for his name. He can. Well, he he uh, absolutely, and I, I I've heard verified from another uh, wrestler who would know that uh, he listens to everything that is at all about him. So I'm sure I'll, maybe I'll get an angry letter. Well, from have Bret Hart. You gotten since the start, like it seems to me from watching some of these roasts and not just the Bruce Pritchard one, but like previous roasts, like the, the first one I remember uh, was like the iron cheek roast or, or any of the ones they did at Caroline's is some of these wrestlers, you know, for people who live their whole life in kayfabe and working, they seem to take some of these roast jokes very personally. Is that fair to say? Well, they're living the gimmick, yeah, have bro. You ever, have, so have you guys gotten like any heat since starting the podcast from people you've been roasting? Not yet. We just started, okay. though. You know, we've done we've done Corbin and, you know, Corbin. It was just like jokes about how he's a shitty wrestler. It wasn't that brutal. And Shane wasn't that brutal. Brett was the first one that I'm like, wow, we really uh, and, and obviously no jokes about, you know, Owen. I mean, you like guys that. took it plenty far without that, though. I feel like. We did not, but that's pretty great, right? We didn't touch yeah. Owen once. Well, let's take it back a little. You know, what I like to ask people uh, typically is, you know, did you get into wrestling first or metal? But uh, for the sake of this conversation, I'll focus more on comedy. Like, did you discover comedy first or pro wrestling? I mean, I'm sure the first thing that I saw was something comedic, but yeah, because I, I probably discovered comedy first because in the first movie I really popped for that was a comedy was The Naked Gun. And that was a couple of years before I started watching wrestling. So what was your so. first wrestling memory? You know, it was right around the lead up to WrestleMania okay. 10. It was that, you know, Brett Luger, Yoko kind of triple threat. thing. And you grew up in the, in, the, in the Northeast, right? I did. Yeah. So I was, you know, that was, I was in Vince's backyard. Mm -hmm. I was always a WWF guy. And I, and I think that's why Vince was able to, which, you know, he's not able to do now, which is really weird. But like the thing that he was able to do better than any promoter in history is like realize like, oh, these colors are going to be like really attractive to nine or 10 year old boys. And they're going to want to, you know, like he understood things visually. I think in a way, you know, he he was almost like, you know, Steve Jobs in that way, yeah. where it's like, I'm not going to create everything, but I'm going to put all. But but my creativity is going to be putting all these creations yeah. together. He was a curator. Yeah, he was a curator. He was like a he was a genius, but he was a yeah. genius. And curator. then he got a little he kind of aged out of it. I feel now it's it's not as sharp. Yeah. Now he thinks like the Miz right. is a young guy. which, you know, uh, relatively speaking <laughs> to relative to uh, Vince McMahon, he is a young guy, but ultimately he is not like right. th that is interesting. Like also just the how WWE has kind of become what they used to criticize WCW about, like, you know, how it's all old guy, quote unquote, old guys, you know, they're not pushing new talent. And now they've, they've kind of fallen into the trap. Well, it seems like AEW is falling into that, too, because they just signed the big show, which is like the biggest example of that. I feel like every company falls into that at some point, you know, whether it's TNA, WCW, AEW, w, not as much WWE, but lately WWE. It, it's all let me, you know, maybe we can cash in on a paycheck with it because it's a lot less work to bring something back that right. already worked. It's like if they bring back DX, they know they're going to sell this amount of shirts. Um, but eventually, you know, like everything else, there's like a return on that investment. It's going to come back to level, you know, where it was. 
I mean, unless they had like Stone Cold come back. Well, with or AEW, something. at least when they do bring in these these older guys, they're pairing them with the younger guy. Like Sting is not in there with uh, a big show yet. <laughs> but I mean, like when he came in, he, he's thrown into this Darby Allen angle to get like Darby over and Jake the Snake. He's put with Lance Archer, not necessarily a young guy, but at least they're trying to like give them the rub of these legends. Yeah, I think it's, but I, I yes, and I think that well, they've done a really great job in a lot of cases. You know, I think Taz, Taz has been, is another example. Yeah, an amazing year for sure. And I love Tully. I love Tully and FDR. I think it's just the perfect fit. But you know, eventually, you kind of got to steer away from those. And 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 I will say they do use legends better. But yeah, I mean, the Big Show has been the only one that's been truly head scratching as far as a sign. Yeah, as far as a signing yeah. that they've had, it, that, that's truly been like uh, I don't understand. This isn't like maybe it's a friend hire, but it's too expensive because they clearly have a lot of friend hires. But like, it's too expensive for a friend I hire. Think that's so. part of it. I think it's part yeah. of it because like clearly Cody and Jericho are good friends with him. But also I, I feel like they think he's very recognizable and they need these people for these like conventions they go to to sell their action figures or whatever, where nobody knows them. But I don't know, man. I don't think he is that recognizable. Otherwise, you know, why would his show be around for only one season on Netflix? Oh, because it know, was like, so bad. It was just painfully bad. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, of, of course. But like. A lot of shows right, like that. Right. If he was so famous, and, and, it, he, it would overcome the terrible writing. Okay. Right. It's like a multi-cam, you know, the multi-cam format of it. Yeah. Um, you know, it should it should be doing, you know, I, I mean, obviously, you know, but I, but I, I think that he's not a crossover guy as far as like The Rock or Batista. He's just. Yeah, fucking I big. think they're also they're b- building to that match that everyone wants to see Shaq versus Big Show Shaq versus Paul White. But that- I guarantee you that by the end of Dynamite on Wednesday, we will not want to see that. <laughs> as we as we see Cody try to bump for Shaq like he's Rey Mysterio, Jade Cargill in her like first fucking match, Velvet Sky, who I'm I'm not even sure what the character is. You well, what I, that's another thing I, I enjoy about your podcast is I feel that you guys offer pretty fair critiques for AEW because I feel like, you know, with with Cornette, sometimes he's he's on the money. And then sometimes I just feel like, all right, you're just working the gimmick right now. You're just shitting on them because you haven't said something negative. But like with you guys, I feel it's pretty fair that the criticisms you guys give because it comes from a, like you want them to succeed. Yeah, because I, I really like AEW and I wanted to write for him. They never got back to me. So I, I bring that back, back up because, you know, in case you like they're you know, they have every right to think that this is like a bitter guy. But I, I do really want to see that company succeed. And you want to see that company, you know, give especially with some of the practices that WWE is engaged in over the years. You want to see, you know, a viable right. alternative. And I think that that's why we do get hard on them, too, because it's like. No, it's easy to shit on WWE because uh, but WWE in a lot of ways has a harder task than AEW. WWE has way more programming that they've got to they've got way more masters they've got to serve. And, and, you know, they get all the they they get all the, you know, the spoils of victory, too. Right. They get, you know, first slot on any late night show Their You know, their press arm is amazing. Their merchandise merchandising wing i mean the thing you know the things that vince is very good at he's he's still pretty good at but yeah yeah you can't really like if, if you don't shit on both you know like the thing is is like these people that are like hey i'm aw i'm i'm wwe i'm like you, you know your your guys are ruining it for yourselves like just enjoy both companies i watched i watched uh ring of honor last night it was 
it was awesome. You know, I feel like Roosh put on. I feel like that's a very new thing. That like that's uh, that's one of the negatives of social media with wrestling fandom. Because I remember growing up, especially like for example in the late '90s during the 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 heat of the Monday Night Wars, you might have had a preference of like uh, I you know WWE is better than WCW. But as a wrestling fan, I mean my preference was really ECW. But uh, I was like I'm watching everything and I love everything and I would never I would never be like I'm strictly uh, this promotion. I know I'm a pro wrestling fan. It's so bizarre because what are you saying there? It's like, no, I want this billionaire to beat this billionaire. Right, right. Yeah. You know, it's not like I, I'm, I'm rooting for the wrestlers, man. I'm rooting for the boys. I'm not rooting for fucking and the booker. You, you've talked on the show about how you've attempted to uh, audition to be a WWE writer. I was wondering, what, right. what's the process like? Well, this last time it was it was just I had a conflict. So it was like it never got past a certain time. And I don't think we could do it now because we're doing the wrestle roasts. Like, I don't think you burned too many bridges now. Uh, (laughs) No, I mean, like, it's not even like I'm sure those guys will will laugh, but I'm sure somebody's going to take it the wrong way, you know, and um, so I'm not even trying really anymore. But yeah, you go for a couple interviews. It's like any other. It's a lot. It's a lot different than a normal writing staff job. Uh, because a writing staff job is on time and, um, you know, and they get you in and out and there's a uh, schedule. <laughs> you can be waiting there for like six hours in an office, you know, while you're waiting for them to come back and be like, all right, Paul Heyman's ready to see you now. And that's for the interview. Like when you get hired, of course that happens. You're always, as you're a writer, you are, you know, you are following whoever the talent is around. So that's just, that's part of the gig. But uh, so the, it was, it was a bizarre experience. It was cool going to Stanford though. And, seeing it and i mean i met some really great people over there like the the kapoor, kapoor. and koski yeah i mean those guys are super nice and so did you have to like um bruce bruce has been super good to me and super nice so i mean you know who knows maybe in the future it will but i you know i can definitely cannot be writing there and doing this podcast and i, and I really enjoy doing this podcast. so, so. Say, like do they make you basically write out a storyline or like what's the what do you have to submit to them you know, I haven't, uh, they didn't really, I had some ideas, but, um, they, they, I think they give you, they ask you to give a writing sample. So that's what I sent. I sent, uh, my, a show that I'd written for like Fox and yeah, then that was fine. Then oh, then so it wasn't even a wrestling sample. It was just that you have the ability to write. No. And I think, I think they used to do that, but I think that they want people, you know, it's going to change all the time. By the time, you know, somebody listens to this and then gets an interview, the, the, you know, it could be a completely different set of uh, guidelines. I mean, I've seen that now with, you know, writing packets, like, thank God. Now of them, I feel like the people who are starting to read these packets are realizing just, you know, these people should just have to write like a page of jokes and that's starting to become the norm, which is great. But it used to be like 10 page packets and stuff. Interesting. Like that. And I also do like one thing that's unique about your podcast is you have a former writer on the show. Yeah. Robert Karpolis is on. Uh, and then, you know, Mike is written for every show under the sun. I've written a bunch. Scott's like has one of the highest, uh, roast youtube battles ever uh that was that's online i think like pat and oswald loved it it's like you know so it's all there's a lot of great we got we got a good roster we got a deep <laughs> how roster. did you guys come together to do do the show is just pure corona boredom well i i've known scott and mike forever and then i knew robert from his twitter feed wwe creative-ish so we started kind of messaging back and forth and he came on the show a couple times as a guest and i i came on in his mlw show as a guest and 
you know, then we ended up, uh, I mean, he's a very smart guy, you know, so he's, he's a lawyer outside of this. So it's, uh, it's, and, it's uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, doing sarcast. You did that, that roast of, uh, yeah. Bruce Pritchard. And so, uh, yes. so how, like you obviously attended as a fan, but also had to work. Uh, so, so yes. like, I'm assuming you treated this roast as you would any other roast. How, how do you prepare for a well, it was kind of, I mean, like it was, you know, all the comics, myself, Mike Lawrence, you know, Ron Funches and uh, James Matter and Taylor Williamson. They were all very, we were all very prepared, um, but we got there and I don't think the wrestlers knew what a roast was. So we like had to write jokes for them before they, and of course, if we have an hour to write jokes, it's not going to be as good as, you know, especially if you're in a room with like a bunch of drunk wrestlers, you know, like and then each one of them has their own caveats as far as oh, I can't really bury this guy I can bury this guy. And um, But yeah, it was it was wild, man. I mean, and part of it, too, is like you don't really like with you're an hour beforehand. It's like, well, I'm not going to give you my best shit. I'm saying my best shit. Like, like if you wanted to pay me for my best shit, you'd be paying me for my best shit. But you're not. Uh, but yeah, I mean, dude, it was, it was a blast, man. I mean, like Bruce, Bruce really did take it. I will say that, man, he really took it. And Conrad really took it, uh, out of that roast. Nobody, I think diamond Dallas page got really pissed off at a joke that I did and like walked out. That's what I heard. Cause I did that. Uh, I made fun of Jake, the snake. And mm-hmm. I do remember you had a line to Conrad about how much money Ric Flair Oh, Ric Flair, but how much did Rick borrow from you? That was the most disappointing. The second Starcast, we were about to do Flair, and then he had a heart attack. And uh, we're like, oh, shit, is he going to die? And then like a year later, he's on TV, like dropping elbows and shit. And we're like, God damn it. Was this a work? <laughs> uh, it wasn't. But <laughs> Right. So you, were, you guys were going to roast Flair. And I felt like the Bruce Pritchard one seemed like small potatoes compared to this Ric Flair roast. That seemed like it was going to be a big deal. Yeah, I mean, the good thing about Pritchard, it was more about the whole wrestling business we were shitting mm-hmm. on. And uh, yeah, I mean, as far as as far as Rick, I mean, there's just pages and pages and pages of shit you can write about that. Right. Guy. He has a whole bi- autobiography that you could <laughs> you could roast. So but could you like like tell me a little bit about the, the process of writing roast jokes? Do you basically like have formats? I listen for for roast jokes. I listen to Geraldo all the time. Like he's the guy I thought was is probably the most. He hasn't had the best roast sets of all time, but he's without a doubt had the most consistent roast sets of all time. <laughs> and he really approaches, you know, he uses every part of the buffalo as far as like when he when he's going after a roast. And and you also see if somebody set now we, we kind of it was kind of like a learn as we go because you know the first two ones we did were baron and shane and we did round robin and uh it really wasn't it didn't work as well as the brett one because we needed to build up momentum because a lot of writing a roast is like okay well i can't i can't have this this is this is how many jokes i can end with with the word cock like i can't have more than they you know like like stuff like that happens that you don't see until you put all the jokes together. And then you're like, all right, I got to, I got to switch this one out. I got to kill some of my babies here. It's almost like writing a song. Like the, each joke kind of is a different lyric to the fuller song. It's fun, man. Cause it's, 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 there's a format and it's not like, you know, stand up can be tough to write because it's like an open canvas. Right. So it's like, 
well, I literally can write about anything I want. And that almost becomes more confining. You know, I, I'm always better with more with more directions. So this is like, you know, like a fun little project every week. Uh, one other question about roast jokes, because I'm I, I'm a big fan of the roasts and I, I, I've yeah, tried yeah. to write roasts. And one one issue for me is there seems to be a fine line between what's just like a joke and like that's just a harsh comment on the person. And it's and it, it, like it might not necessarily come off as funny as just like you're being a dick. So how do you how do you find the fine line? Well, it's hard because my audience is three of the meanest people I know. <laughs> So it's, like, it's it's really hard to like find that line like you know like we always go for the jugular but i always say you know the more specific a joke is even if it's crueler then the specificity made it fair because that means you took the time to really figure out what was shitty about this person and spoke truth truth to it rather than just your mom's a slut or, or whatever right i got exactly that, that's a good that's a good way like it's that's just a general insult saying your mom is a slut. But but if, if you said like your mom bagged the next door guy who they happen to always flirt with each other, at least there's yeah yeah like it, just in terms of the analogy. And I think with the Bret Hart one that that really came through as well. Do you guys? This is like a story about how your mom had an affair on your dad. <laughs> next door. It did get really specific. It's a, and I've been trying to roast my next door neighbor for years, but it just comes off harsh. <laughs> No, I mean, Brad is so specific because Brad has just been like, you know, I mean, he's been his own hype man for the last 20 years. So he has an opinion on everything. He's buried everybody. He's buried like everybody you can in wrestling. And you lo- I love that about it. It's 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 his truth. You know, he's not lying for the camera. He always gives his absolute honesty, no. especially with Triple H, like even with like having a good relationship with WWE, he still has to bury him. He still shits on Triple H. He, he shits on Triple H to the point of like when I saw wrestling with shadows, I was like so pro Brett and, and fuck Triple H. But now like like after like spending a week of like researching Brett and and Hunter. And I'm like, yeah, I think like Hunter has way less of an ego than Brett. <laughs> yeah. Well, you really like really looking back at the whole screw job 20 years later, it, it seems absurd. You could never see Triple H saying to Vince like, well, I guess you could, but Triple H always did business still. Yeah. In Brent's defense, he did have it in his contract. And there was a lot of shit that Shawn Michaels said to him, which makes me understand why he wouldn't want to lose to Shawn Michaels. It seems very silly. It doesn't matter. It's a, it's a sh- imagine like, I guess this does happen in movies where an actor would be like, I will not die at that person's hands, you know, like. Right, right. Well, that's like the Vin Diesel, um, the rock, like in the contract, you know, so they can only be hit so many times. Right, right, right. Another topic that, that I, I feel a kinship to you guys that I feel I don't really have that many people that I can laugh about this with is Dave Meltzer, who is a, <laughs> you know, the the leading wrestling journalist and quite a character in and of himself. And I feel what's so crazy about Meltzer, like I listen to his daily uh, or whatever week, you know, few times a week show before it was truly to get information. Now, I just listen to hear the weird friendship that him and, and Brian happen to have. I'm impartial, but the, he can't cover some of AEW's uh, what's going on backstage because he doesn't want to blow their storylines because he's too close to it. Has he said that? Well, that's already that's already partial. If you're blowing one company's storylines and future long term direction and the other one, you're keeping close to your chest. 
I, I don't think he he gives away winners, right? Like for WWE, he won't he won't like say like, oh, this person's definitely. He doesn't give away winners, but he definitely gives away like, hey, where is this story arc headed? Yeah. Whereas, you know, who are we going to put on? Who are we going with? What what does this long long term storyline lead to? He has no problems talking about that with WWE, and he's much more hesitant to talk about that with AEW. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of already destroys, you know, and I, I, I love, you know, Dave Meltzer. I, I actually think he's, you know, he's like, as far as like learning all the stuff about dead wrestlers, it's, it's totally invaluable. And, and I agree with a lot of the criticisms that he has about uh, WWE, but on the same sense too, you can't say that he's impartial. Oh, absolutely. Impartial. Uh, and I think I think, but I think that he thinks he's impartial. Like he tries to be as impartial. Well, he also thinks he's fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, like he, th- he thinks a lot of stuff. He has an aversion. Like he absolutely cannot lie. Like he, it is not within him, you know, like to, to a fault, all those like, like sometimes he'll get off on 10 minute tangents, just explaining this one little <laughs> sentence. He said, where Brian has to cut him off. And I love it. Have you ever met him in person? Have you ever met him at the Starcast? I have. I met him at the first Starcast. We And I was supposed to re- roast him in the second Starcast, but it didn't happen. And, and yes, we will 100% be roasting Dave Meltzer on this show. I don't know where. Um, this week, it's the big show. Next week, spoiler alert, it's going to be Virgil. But uh, Dave Meltzer, we will be roasting Dave Meltzer at some point. Now, let's talk about some favorites from back in the day, uh, wrestling-wise. Do you have like a favorite all-time uh, pay-per-view or, or uh, like a wrestling show you go back to watch? All-time pay-per-view. That's a great question. I don't have an answer. What's, what's my favorite? And it's also tough, too, because now with the network, they all kind of blend. I think last year, my favorite pay-per-view was, was Double or Nothing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, the, the probably the best show I went live was Royal Rumble 2000. That was, uh, that was Cactus Jack versus Triple H in Madison Square Garden. That was incredible. I went to a New Japan show in, in Long Beach where it was the finals of, I don't know if it was the New Japan Cup or the G1. I think it was the U.S. title tournament. Yeah, I thought it was both. But yeah, that's the one Omega won. I saw that. That was incredible. I saw that SummerSlam where it was AJ and Cena. Oh, yeah. Was, that was that, that, that was a Barclays. Right? You went to that one. That was great. And, and and the first double or nothing I went to, which was which was awesome in Vegas. Was there like a favorite era growing up? Like when when was your biggest fandom? Like, when were you most in it? I think that like when I was like 10, right? When When you're like mimicking. But, you know, when I was 10, I actually probably spend more time, you know, researching wrestling today than when I was 10. So maybe now I would have to say now. I mean, you know, I've watched I mean, I watched a big show documentary for the second time (laughs) this weekend. Get ready for. You know, and it's not a great documentary. It's like one of those WWE Studios ones where it's it's all like, you know, just the most uh, a- antiseptic, like, you know, basic shit. But no, it's not bad. They, they do a pretty good job. You know, it's not it's not bad, but it's definitely, you know, it's a, it's it's company. It's like a company propaganda. <laughs> Have you always been into wrestling or did you like fall out and then get back into it recently once it started? Paying? I fell out. I, I, I wasn't into wrestling until about fourth grade. And then I fell out towards the end of high school through college until my last year of college. And then I got back. What in. was what, what drew, drew you back in? As an adult, you know, I was just drinking a lot and it was on. <laughs> uh, and uh, I remember, yeah, I remember there was one, there was the Raw leading up to, I think, WrestleMania 22. It was, 
That was the one that Cena, you know, it was like triple triple H went against Cena. So I, I got back in because I, I was also a Rob Van Dam fan and he was kind of having like a, his moment. a big second wind at that time. Yeah, He was having his big moment. That's cool. And who are your guys right now? Who are guys that when they're on the screen, you're just like, I can't like this is going to be great no matter the shooting storyline. Any promotion. Well, Kenny, for sure. I mean, every time I see Kenny on the ring lately or in a match, it's been incredible. Eddie Kingston on the mic for sure. Lately Orton, not not recently released me the Orton, but it used to be over the summer for sure. And and with the edge stuff, Orton. Um, Roman, without a doubt, like run, R- Roman has been, you know, you can't take your eyes off him. So though, and you know, and I and I've been digging the hurt business when they've come on. I saw a guy last night, Shane Taylor, that was really good. I've never seen him before. He was at Ring on, he was fighting at Ring of Honor. I guess he's in the foundation or whatever. So yeah, those are my those are my guys right now. Uh, you know, as far as uh, you know, I like Sasha a lot. I like Yashirai. I like Bianca Belair a lot. Rhea Ripley. And, and you know, I'll always. I mean, I always watch. You know, Daniel Bryan and AJ when they're on, just because of how phenomenal they are, bell to bell. All right. And as far as New Japan, I've always been an Okada guy, and I, and I and I've always been an Abushi guy. Like I love Abushi, so yeah, him winning both belts is pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm glad he's the spot, like the centerpiece of the promotion right now. I feel like I've been waiting for that for a while. Right. I mean, he looks like. I mean, look at his look at his his look is incredible. Yeah, he he doesn't age. Guys like built out of granite. He looks crazy. like he's 25. I can't believe he's older. Yeah, than it's me. ridiculous. Yeah, he's he's older than me. It's crazy. Yeah, maybe maybe we need to hit the gym. <laughs> Look at it, how he looks. I would say so. <laughs> but especially, I don't know about your stomach, but definitely mine. Uh, it could use some work. It's definitely nowhere near as flat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as we wind it down, you know, one thing I usually do with musicians is I ask which wrestler would make a good metal band. Like what comedian, right. like if you were doing a, a four-person stand-up show and you were recruiting wrestlers, it's a wrestler-only stand-up show, who do you think would have the comedic timing to do a good set the comedic timing yes king kong bundy was super funny and he's dead now and i know he tried to do stand-up but his shoot interviews were awesome um he had a lot of, he had a great timing and shooting batista has awesome timing as a comedic actor jericho has amazing comedic timing but you know i think it's stand-up he would you know it's it's always death like the wrestlers who think they're funny that's always going to be death you know who i think would actually be really good if you got him like drunk and unfiltered, which is, this is a real surprise. Michael Cole. I think Michael Cole would be fucking hilarious. If you gave him, if, if, if you let him do what he wanted to do on stage, I mean, he may, he may get people to boo. Like he may get a bachelorette party to boo, but I think like Michael Cole unfiltered what makes you say this? would be super. Have you, have you hung out with him unfiltered? I've, I've, I haven't hung out, but I know enough people to know Michael Cole that know that like off stage, he's like kind of a, like a kind of like a miserable dry, you know, like dry sense of humor kind of guy. Um, it, it's, it's the complete opposite of, you know, obviously as a commentator, he's, he's fucking terrible, but like off stage, he's, he, he's uh, he's apparently amazing. Okay, that's good. That's very interesting. And you mentioned shoot interviews. It would not be Brett. Brett would not be <laughs> yeah, on my comedy line. He has he has unintentional comedic timing. <laughs> Although he is, he did perform at a, a comedy theater in Toronto that I, I performed at. So he was, I guess, in something in some sort of. He did that Mad TV stuff too. But oh, Nash could be pretty funny. I think like if Nash wrote it out, he would be really good. Like anybody who's like has a really good shoot interview where they don't take the business that seriously. Well, you mentioned the shoots. Who were your shoot interview? Like that's that's a part of. Oh, Nash is the best. 
Nash is the best shoot interview ever because he really does. It's like the opposite of everybody else as far as how he talks about the business. It's all work, you know. So he's he's great. You know, they probably have like a metal super group, like a monsters of metal thing. Like for shoot interviews, there's a shoot interview with Honky Tonk Man, New Jack, and Iron Sheik together, where they were fucking hammered at a motel. And they help Iron Sheik moon the camera because he's too drunk. So they take off his pants for him. Uh, it is wild. Like if you want to shoot an interview, man, great. That era of shoot interviews for the three of them, like they all had their own batshit insane shoot interview with our video. And then our was like, let's get them all three in a room and do it even yeah, like exactly. that rant that they go on on Benoit and like how he killed baby Daniel. Legendary. It's crazy, <laughs> man. And I mean, I mean, like, if you think I'm we were mean on Bret Hart, like Hockey Talk was doing like stroke act outs and shit like it. it it's nuts. It's nuts how fucking mean that guy got. So he was he was a great shoot interview. And then, you know, what What are really fun ones? They're really the, the guys who weren't there for a while because they're very honest. Like there's one that's Duke the Dumpster Drossy. And he basically the whole interview is him because I just did Brad. So I'm talking a lot about Brad. But the whole interview is basically him talking about how he completely ruined his career by listening to Brett's advice. Oh, really? (laughs) Because, well, because Brett like kept like telling him to like stick up for himself. But uh, then he'd be like, yeah, but I forgot that I was Duke, the dumpster Drossy, (laughs) you know? So I would like make a stand and then Vince would be like, no. And like my spot would get even worse. It's really funny. That's cool. Well, uh, definitely some homework for Squirt Circle Pit fans to check out. <laughs> I've never watched that, but I'll definitely check yeah, that one yeah. out. I, I love shoot interviews. Just a great way to leave something on. You always do learn something about what happened back in the day, even if the person is completely full of shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and you got to see who's like, you're, you're never going to get a real and like Ollie Anderson is like too mean of a prick. Like he hates everybody to the point of like where I don't even think he's giving a real answer. And Hulk Hogan is just fascinating to watch like a pathological liar. Right. For because he'll just make up, he'll just he'll just tailor the answer to whoever is asking the question. It is amazing to follow Hulk Hogan's interviews and hear him tell the same story. But like you're saying, tailor it differently to the and like change up big parts of the story that, you know, to be factually inaccurate. You know, he said he fought Muhammad Ali to a draw. He also said he was going to be the bass player of Metallica. That's my favorite lie, because then Howard Stern got on it and he was like, well, I got to call him out. And he knows Metallica. So they called him out. And, and, and then he changed the story. It was like, no, that's not what I said when it's like, no, that's absolutely what you said. <laughs> it's absolutely what you yeah. said. It is pretty cool. He plays the bass, though. Nobody plays the bass. Yeah. Well, Dan, thank you so much for your time. And of course, absolutely check out Wrestle Roasts. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So to, uh, give us the plugs. How could people follow you? You can uh, follow me on um, Twitter at Dan St. Germain, um, but check out Wrestle Roasts. It's uh, you can get it wherever I, you know, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. Uh, check out the roast of Bret Hart. There's some really good jokes in there, but it's, you know, it's a two hour show. So there's a lot of other stuff in there, too. Yeah. And then, you know, I have my albums and a bunch of my short videos on my website. So check it out. Awesome. And I've definitely 
spent morning drives pissing myself listening to you guys. You guys had some line about like dusty roads and like like a vagina two weeks ago or something. I, f- I forget the exact reference, but I was like, I was like, <laughs> this is such a specific, obscure reference. Like you have to understand like 80s wrestling comedy. And I love that you guys bring it all together. It, it's a great show. You know, it's got it's so dusty is one of those people. Michael Lawrence brought this up. It's so uncomfortable watching him do promos with other people in the room who aren't wrestling fans because he's doing a black scent, yeah. you know, like, so everybody else just sees this weird, like almost racist character, but dusty Rhodes' success is, is the closest that that territory came to pushing a black guy. <laughs> Without a doubt. Uh, I mean, Muhammad Ali was his the guy he ripped from. So it's it's not a, a stretch to say. And another thing about your podcast is you you personally are the hardest person I've ever seen on Cody Rhodes. Not that what you're saying is is incorrect uh, about his daddy issues. Uh, well, I love Co- that's the thing is I thought his promo I, when we did the words, I thought like the two that his 2019 promo leading up to revolution was phenomenal or full gear. Sorry, with Jericho was phenomenal. His match with Dustin Rhodes. The first double or nothing was maybe the bet one top three live matches I've ever seen. But the guy has some very Hunter Hearst Helmsley habits, man. I mean, like, you know, the new entrances every six months, the, you know, the, the, the entire, how many people comes to the ring, you know, and he's a great promo already. It's like, why do you have freaking orange? Yeah. You're already a great promo. My thing with him is, is just, I, I feel like sometimes he walks before he can run. Uh, but I was, you know, I, I mean, there's no denying the guy's talent, talented, but yeah, I mean, I think I know what you're talking about in, in particular, that whole t- like 25 minute, like segment they did where they were trying to get that new guy over that. I don't even remember his name now. This was like two weeks ago. I was going to say Leon Ruff. That's NXT. No, Leon Ruff <laughs> is an NXT. It's the, it's another guy that's only been yeah. on dark and uh, and then they're trying to do the Bruno uh, Zabisco thing with him and QT. Like there are all these layers to this fucking segment that, of course, they don't even follow up with the next week. So that's right. That's that's the problem is that like it is just it's like, no, man, like like Cody is it just is o- is just over. But he's not like the type of over where he can get five people right. over. You know, he's still. He's still a guy who's as good as, you know, like he's, he's better. Like he's, he's it's a little bit better than I'm better as a dance party, but like you look at all those great matches. It's like Darby Allen. Well, Darby's great. Jungle boy. Well, jungle boy's great. <laughs> it's like, like when he's tried like Eddie Kingston, well, Eddie, Eddie was phenomenal. Eddie's phenomenal. But you know, when he has, it's, it's hard for him to care. He's and, and Cody's a phenomenal talent, but I don't think he's a talent that can still, uh, carry guys, which is a very different set of skills. Like there's a way that a certain guy, for instance, like as much as everybody's like, Oh, you know, a jungle boy, he's like, you know, he's green, but you see his matches and like, look, I I don't know, like the intricacies of pro wrestling, but in a lot of matches, like jungle boy seems like the vet, you know, (laughs) like as far as like the physical moves that he's making his promos, obviously, you know, he's, that's not his strong suit, but uh, yeah. So I, I, I don't mean to be, I actually love Cody Rhodes and I, I remember met, I met Brandy and she's super nice. I think Brandy would be a great baby face manager. I just, you know, it's just, I, and I love the old nightmare character, but now it's weird. The nightmare collective, it's like the whole like American nightmare. It's like, I'm the bastard eyed version of, you know, I'm the American psycho version of my dad. Right. 
But, you know, since then, they now have like, like him and Brandy are having a kid and they've also adopted half of the Georgia wrestling independent scene. <laughs> I feel like like over their fireplace, there's like QT stocking. There's like everybody in the nightmare family. Yeah. And, and um, I, so, yeah, I, I think just, their fault is, you know, it's just a little too much, man. It's yeah, just too much. He, I think also their fault is he thinks people care about all of that stuff more than they actually like. Nobody cares about the rest of the nightmare family. He loves the spectacle, yeah, yeah. right? Hogan and rock is his favorite match, but, but Hogan and rock again, it's like very simple. It's two guys and you know, it's two legends, yeah, but no, make no mistake. I do not. I think Cody's great. I give Cody shit because he makes, he makes the most like, if I didn't like him, I would probably have been giving him shit way before this, but he makes the most like unforced errors ever in wrestling, you know? Yeah. But I mean, I think he's phenomenal as far as like a talent. Absolutely. And I would say that to his face. That's what I would say to his face. I would have no problem talking that to his face because there'd be so many good things to say to the guy in addition to like, but you know, nobody's fucking asking me. I'm a fat guy with a beard who runs a podcast. <laughs> well, on that note, you can check out his podcast by searching for Russell Rose. Russell Rose, baby. Check it out, guys. Thank you, Dan. Thank you so much for, for having me. Very fun talking to Dan and uh, thank him. And uh, his podcast is very funny. If you're looking for another wrestling podcast in the rotation, check out Wrestle Roasts. It's been an interesting week in the world of pro wrestling. And we have a new world champion in Bobby Lashley. And we have a really interesting AEW show yesterday and some interesting New Japan news. New Japan is going to be heading back to the Tokyo Dome in May. And two weeks before that, they're playing a big uh, baseball stadium, which is kind of weird. They usually don't have these big shows in May. And I wonder what the card they have, what the attractions they have for these big shows. I guess the reason they're doing that is because the uh, Tokyo Dome shows they had in January, they had to limit the capacity due to COVID. And maybe the assumption is by May, uh, enough people will be vaccinated where they can get a lot of people in there. But what will be the matches? That'll be interesting. I'm curious about what's going on with Kota Ibushi. He said he is going to be unifying both the IWGP World and Intercontinental titles. And I don't know how I feel about that because I'm a big fan of the IWGP World Championship design, or the IWGP Heavyweight Championship design, I should say. And I, I hope it, it doesn't shy too much away from that design. But I guess we'll have to wait and see for that. I don't know. I don't know if the Intercontinental title has to be unified. I, I like the belt, but ultimately, you know, I don't have a too strong of an opinion, although I'm not favorable for it. New Japan has been pretty fun, though. It's been interesting to watch. It's a nice weekend watch, and now they're starting their big tournament. It's called the New Japan Cup, and uh, basically the winner gets a world title shot. And I always like these tournaments because it means singles matches, and the singles matches in New Japan are always the fun ones. And uh, maybe uh, with these big shows, perhaps we could see some AEW talent on them just to help, you know, draw interest to it. But that's a bit of a pipe dream. Speaking of AEW, they had their big show last night with Shaq. I thought Shaq did way better than I thought he would. I could not believe that Cody Rhodes put Shaq through a table and that Shaq took that dangerous looking table spot. He, I mean, he did it. Good for him. AEW has been really fun these last few weeks. I'm really looking forward to Revolution. I think they have a stacked pay-per-view card this weekend and i figured why not go through the matches and give some predictions on what i think will happen so in the buy-in we're gonna have rio and thunder rosa versus Britt baker and reba i'm gonna guess that reba is gonna lose the match uh possibly to thunder rosa 
And then we have the tag team match with Miro and Kip Sabian versus Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy. I kind of feel this is building to a Miro versus Orange Cassidy singles match, perhaps. But I would say Miro uh, and Kip are going to get the win here. <laughs> then the Casino Tag Team Battle Royal. This is essentially like a Royal Rumble for tag teams based on the rules. And the teams are Bear Country, who's a... a have a great looking gimmick i've seen them on dark the dark order of alex reynolds and john silver the dark order of evil uno and Stu grayson the inner circle of santana and ortiz the butcher and the blade private party and top flight i would say of all of these teams probably the uh, inner circle uh, santana and ortiz that's going to be my prediction the big money match the winner gets the quarterly earnings of the other wrestler Big Money Matt Hardy versus Hangman Adam Page. I think this gimmick is ridiculous. The build-up to this match has been really silly. But I really hope Adam Page wins this one. I think uh, it's been fun watching Matt kind of stumble around. Uh, and I really like Adam Page, and I think his momentum should keep building. The World Tag Team Championship match, Young Bucks versus Chris Jericho on MGF. I think I saw something that this is going to be the opening of the pay-per-view. And I imagine Young Bucks are going to retain. They try to make it a blood feud in two weeks. It, that kind of didn't work for me, but I'm sure everyone's going to work really hard and have a really, really fun match. The tag team street fight with Darby Allen and Sting versus Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. I feel like this feud has been going on forever, and it kind of has, but it's, it's been since December. I feel like we I even talked about that with Dan earlier. Uh, we got Darby and Sting versus Cage and Starks. Hard to say. I, I feel like it has to be like Sting's first match back. He has to win, right? So I'm going to say Darby Allen and Sting. For the Women's World Championship, Hikaru Shida versus Ryo Mizunami. It's been really fun watching these women's matches in this women's uh, title tournament. And I have a feeling, though, that Hikaru Shida will win. But I could also see, because Ryo Mizunami, she flew all the way from Japan. She had to, you know, schlep all the way over here. Maybe they'll give her the belt. But I, I still feel like Hikaru Shida is, is the one. Then there's the face of the Revolution ladder match, which should be a really, really fun match. Cody Rhodes versus Penta El Zero Mendo versus Scorpio Sky versus Lance Archer versus Max Caster versus to be announced, somebody debuting. I think it's really smart that they always like have this uh, question of who's going to show up on the pay-per-views to make you kind of buy into it. I'm curious about it, but I think I'm going to give this to Scorpio Sky based on the commentary that he did on AEW last night. It kind of feels like he's turning heel a little bit and, and i'm curious to see where they go with it and i hope they give him a bit of a push because he's a great wrestler then finally the exploding barbed wire death match kenny omega versus john moxley this match is probably going to be insane and i feel like kenny omega is going to find some way to cheat and retain the title but this match i, I don't know i hope it doesn't get too gross <laughs> but it'll definitely be a spectacle and that's the card i think aw is a really strong card i'm i'm excited to watch the show uh, I can't say I felt the same way about Raw this week. I feel like Raw in general has been not the easiest show to watch for a pro wrestling fan. There have been some good matches uh, in recent weeks, like Drew and Sheamus had a good match this week. But I just feel like the wrestling is, it doesn't matter. It's inconsequential. Like Raw in general has felt, if I miss it, I could just catch up with a few YouTube clips and not really lose anything. And SmackDown has been much more watchable to me. I'm really enjoying Roman Reigns, I'm enjoying the Sasha Banks Bianca Belair feud. SmackDown is where it's at for me personally with WWE. So I'm liking SmackDown, I'm liking AEW, and I'm excited to have the New Japan Cup here and have these singles tournament matches. And I'm mostly excited that you are listening 
to Square Circle Pit. Thank you, as always, for listening. Check out our archives. We have so many great interviews from the past with lots of cool people like Corey Taylor, Maynard from Tool. We've got Corpse Grinder, tons of cool wrestlers like Triple H, Seth Rollins, Edge. Uh, really cool stuff. Check it out. Square Circle Pit, metalinjection.net slash Square Circle Pit for all the archives. We'll be back in two weeks with a really, really cool guest. Hope you could tune in. <laughs>